0: I think that people spend more time preparing for the marriage and the day of the wedding than they do for the life after that. The actual actual marriage to the the life.
1: The life that we absolutely.
0: (laughs) And through the prophetic traditions, we are reminded that marriages and nikahs were simple. There was no, there was not extravagance. The amount of extravagance that we see in weddings today, there was no extravagance. In fact, the norm was to not be extravagant. The Prophet ﷺ says, <laughs> That the nikah with the most barakah and blessing is the one in which the least amount of money is spent.
1: Assalamualaikum. This is Nirav with the Halal Podcast where we discuss pertinent Islamic issues with key Muslim figures. This episode is brought to you by HalalWeddings.com. Halal Weddings provides a streamlined service to book an imam to perform your nikah or to speak at your wedding. They also offer customized wedding planning services, venue bookings, and more. Visit them at www.halalweddings.com. Imagine meeting your potential spouse for the first time. She comes to you with a sheet of a hundred questions to gauge whether you fit her requirements. Or imagine finding out that your fiancé wants to take out a loan to pay for a lavish wedding ceremony. Well, this isn't so far-fetched. In this episode, we sit with Imam Tahir to talk about a series of issues, including the importance of premarital counseling, the rampant extravagance in Muslim weddings, and issues pertaining to the mahar or marriage dower that is paid to the bride. Bismillah. Assalamu alaikum. Welcome to the Halal Podcast, and I'm here with Imam Tahir. And we have an interesting one for you guys today. We're going to talk about two topics in particular: premarital counseling before getting your nikah or uh, before getting married. And also, what 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 should a wedding look like between the nikah, the walima We want to know what would be considered ex- uh, israf or excessive expenditure. What should a what should our weddings look like, uh, and what what can we take from our tradition in order to answer these questions? So, assalamu alaikum, Imam Tahir. Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. How are you doing? Alhamdulillah. 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 You know, you know, one thing that I'm thinking of that kind of you know, made me think about this topic in particular, actually, is that one of my teachers, he mentioned that, this was probably a couple decades ago when he got married, uh, but when he went to get married, his wife actually came to him with a list, literally a list of, I think he said over a hundred questions.
0: Yes, I know who you're talking about.
1: And, And he said he, he, he was kind of surprised, but yeah. he said it, it was, uh, you know, he really appreciated going through that process. And, and that it, it's just, it's a sort of premarital counsel, counseling yeah. in a way. Yeah.
0: So um, tell me about the importance so of this. It's, you know, um, we, we briefly touched on this in uh, one of the episodes before this, where we are. Um, marriage maybe was easier in the past because it was of the dif- same culture. So yeah. the expectations, societal expectations, mm-hmm. cultural expectations, religious expectations were very, very similar. Mm-hmm. And um, of course, there's still, you know, I'm sure they, there's still a lot to learn about each other. But we're learning uh, far more now than ever before that people, different people have very different expectations. People define or understand marriage very very differently mm-hmm. and you know what what expectations do people have once uh people get married how are you going to interact with each other how are you going to interact with each other's friends who's going to do the laundry mm-hmm. um you know how are you going to wh- what are you going to do with the salary that both of you make is there going to be a joint bank account is there going to be separate bank accounts if there are separate bank accounts how are you going to spend uh, these are very real real life questions mm-hmm. that people have uh before they get married and uh, many times, a lot of people have not talked about these things. Mm-hmm. They haven't uh, talked to each other, let alone with anyone else, but they haven't talked to each other about, you know, who is going to be doing uh, these things. So once you have decided or thought, uh, figured out that there is someone that you desire to get married to or, or you're contemplating uh, for marriage, um, there's there's a few things that you can do. Um, probably one of the easier ones is that uh, anyone can go online and imam Majid uh, from the Adam Center mm-hmm. uh in um virginia um or maryland uh, it's, it's all the same for me but um w- you know he he has he has compiled a list of a hundred questions oh wow that you can ask each other that's a really really good start right hundred questions that you can go and ask each other and say you know um you know what what type of relationship do you want your spouse to have with your friends what do you do, what do you like to do in your uh free time um, you know do you read what do you read um you know simple you know who are your friends uh, what are your what do your friends like to do you know mm-hmm. really simple questions but really a way of getting to know that individual and also figuring out if there is you know, you may come across an answer or answers that you know that you may not be comfortable with, and that could be a complete deciding factor. And say, you know what? Maybe I thought this was the person for me, but mm-hmm. you know, you know, this person and I have two different set of sets of values, and maybe we're not going to be compatible with mm-hmm. each other. Or, oh my God, this is perfect. You know, we're we're we have we're on the same bandwidth here. So I think to begin with, going through those questions, um, and it also will help. Uh, expose um, yourself um, and things about you that you know may not necessarily you may not think about maybe or you may not even want to share at times. You know there have been um, occasions where people will find out certain things about their spouses after their marriages, and of course there's really no way you can control that. A person can lie, and Allah forbid, someone would do that. Mm-hmm. But you know you would you would ask certain questions like you know do you are you do you have any diseases are there any You know these these are questions that someone may want to ask, and you know, person has the right to know uh, certain things. Should is a on that note, is a person obligated to
1: mention that to a spouse if they, in terms of like. Like there's certain things, questions are going to come up. Maybe yeah. they won't so, come up. Maybe so, the question won't so, come up. So, so again, if me. if
0: you if you are if you have a certain disease, it would be nice. You, may, you know, you're, this person is getting married to yeah. you. They're going to yeah. be. It would be good for them to know. Mm. But on that same note. You know, uh, if there have been any, if there's anything wrong or any sins that have yeah. been committed in the past, there's no reason to talk about that. Mm-hmm. What's done is done. Right. Mm-hmm. There's no there's no reason to.
1: But perhaps like a health condition, a health condition that like you may have. Yeah, yeah. yeah,
0: absolutely. Yeah. Um, to talk about uh, those things. So so that list of hundred questions would yeah. make it, you know, help you kind of get get to know each other um, and, and you know, for help you decide. Uh, how you want to tackle certain issues um, in your relationship. I mean, you know, and then um, doing premarital counseling. Mm -hmm. Um, It would be nice if this was a professional counselor. Now, because we happen to be Muslims and because many of us, you know, have certain cultural, um, you know, just the way we live, you know, Eastern or just... It would be nice if this person happened to understand the person the the you know the the one who's helping you doing the premarital counseling uh, would understand your faith and your culture. it would it would be uh, far more productive and better. Um, but definitely looking into getting um, premarital uh, counseling, helping someone help you um, get over your issues, helping someone help you figure out whether you're how how big or small your issues happen to be. Uh, helping someone help you guys. Um, You know figure out what the first week or what the first month of marriage is gonna Mm. look like so when when young men and women come my way you know one of the really simple basic questions I'll ask them is okay honeymoon is over you guys have moved into your apartment who's doing the laundry Mm. Um, you know who's doing the cooking. And everyone has a role to play. And I'm not saying that any one of the two should be doing it. I mean, they could take turns, but it needs to be something that you want to talk about because the last thing you would want is you move in together and now every day you're fighting about who's going to do what. I did it last time. It's your turn now. And the person whose turn is it never gets around to doing it. You know, so yeah. and as people, as petty as that sounds and as insignificant as that sounds, sometimes these are the reasons why people begin to fight and, mm-hmm. and uh, you know. Um, Results in uh, bigger problems. And, absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, so, y- you know, simple things. But, you know, this person, this this person would help you understand your obligations towards each other, uh, the affection that you need to have for mm-hmm. each other, the warmth and And the caring that you need to have with each other, Um, I truly believe that um, Muslims uh, need to also, you know, before they get married, um, you know, at least read a book or two, and there's a few out there um, as to, you know, in terms of intimacy, what is halal and what is Mm -hmm. not, um, because there's a lot of things in in our society. That um, people think are the norms but are completely Islamically not acceptable um, And so, you know, those are things that people definitely need to uh, at least go through and know um, And so, helping yourself become a better person In fact, I personally am of the opinion that people should even go through the fiqh of divorce uh, Before they get married um, uh, because a lot of times people have no idea what they're saying and what they're doing, and later on, well, you know, this is a very common thing. People will um, utter or the word "talak" or give talak or talk about divorce, not even knowing what they're actually doing, mm-hmm. uh, and then they'll come to you and say, "I really didn't mean it," or "That's not what I intended," or "That's not what I that I didn't I didn't know that," or "I didn't think that would happen." That's problematic And so uh, You know in, in fact I think One of the general pieces Of advice I, I don't j- tell people Is that never Ever bring up divorce Like just don't even Bring it up yeah, You know yeah, uh, yeah. In, in a heated Don't setting. joke just about just it Don't joke don't, about it don't, 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 don't mention yeah, it yeah, yeah You mean It's
1: one of the things It comes from a hadith Yes correct? Like
0: yeah. It's one of the uh, things jiddun jiddun, Right yeah. if, if it's said seriously It is taken seriously Even if it is said as a joke It's to be taken seriously At yeah. uh, talaq wa nikah itaq marriage and freeing of a slave. Yeah, um yeah. but with that said, people need to know, you know, I think premarital counseling makes a couple stronger. I personally believe that it helps you get to know each other. Mm-hmm. It also helps you when you you know if you're up against a roadblock, um it also helps you, you know, get over those roadblocks. So premarital counseling is is I think crucial uh, for young men and women
1: how how important is it and someone had recommended this i i heard this recommendation one time but how important is it to have deal breakers so to speak and and have that in one's mind prior to and like really solidify in their mind prior to like engaging in this process and then so the only to know that they don't yeah end up agreeing to something that Originally they didn't want to agree to, but then maybe mm. because they got excited or something, it's like, oh, "Okay, that's not a problem, that's not a problem." I to, don't know. What do you to, what do you each
0: to each their own. Okay. But anything that breaks the rules of Sharia is a deal breaker. Of course, anything yeah. that doesn't, in the end of the day that's sort of your personal choice. Okay. Now, sometimes you may end up making a major sacrifice. Um, because what the other person is bringing to the table in another area happens to be just so profound mm-hmm. that you're willing to make that sacrifice and you're willing to make it work or maybe not mm-hmm. uh, but that's just now you know a deal breaker would be someone say, you know what I, I consume alcohol I mean that's good that's you know yeah, yeah or, yeah, or yeah. I I'm not one who prays regularly mm-hmm. the, you know those those are those are deal breakers in my opinion um, unless otherwise the person says, you know what I'm willing to, stop certain bad habits that I have and wanting to become a Mm -hmm. better person. Um, But unfortunately, you know, sometimes if, if people have bad habits, unless and otherwise people get professional help, Mm -hmm. it's very difficult to overcome bad Mm -hmm. habits simply by saying so. Um, You know, you need, you do need help in order to come over your, you know, overcome some of addiction, some addictions that people may have. So yeah, before you get married, the, 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 the hundred questions, uh, premarital counseling, um, you know, and talking and talking to each other in in a setting in a you know, um, I, I I'm I'm ai am a firm believer that people need to be very conscious about their relationships before the actual nika happens. It has to be in public settings and so on and so forth. Like these late night oh, it's great speaking to you today texts or you know mm-hmm. good morning texts. None of that is allowed until mm-hmm. you're married. Mm-hmm. Uh, so so with that said, um, you know, uh, I think that's crucial now. Uh, if if we may move on uh really quickly i just i just want to talk about you know the actual marriage yes. i think that people spend more time preparing for the marriage and the day of the wedding than they do for the life after that the actual, <laughs> the the actual, actual marriage the, actual the marriage. life the life that we absolutely <laughs> and so w- through line. the prophetic traditions we are reminded that marriages and nikahs were simple mm mm-hmm. mhm there was no, there wasn't extravagance. The amount of extravagance that we see in weddings today, there was no extravagance. In fact, the norm was to not be extravagant. Mm-hmm. The Prophet ﷺ says, "Inna an nikah barakatan maunatan." That the nikah with the most barakah and blessing is the one in which the least amount of money is spent. Wow. Um, in my career, I've done a lot of weddings, a lot of nikahs, and I've done some very large ones. I've done some very small ones. I, I personally believe that. Um, doing a small yet very elegant wedding is very possible, Mm -hmm. contrary to what people believe. Mm -hmm. Uh, And all that money that people um, spend on weddings can be uh, spent far more beautifully. You Mm -hmm. know, you could help your children pay off a student loan. Mm -hmm. You could help your children put a down payment on a house. Um, You could help them go for hajj. Uh, there's a lot of things. There's a, and, and I'm not saying parents are spending money. You know, you could this could be your money and not your parents' money. You could be wealthy by the time you get married and you want to ha- throw a fancy wedding. Mm-hmm. There's still a lot of better things to do than um, throw a fancy wedding. But <coughs> you know, in the culture of the Indian subcontinent, we have this um, we have this thing called Mehendi. So the day before, or a yeah. day or, t- or a day or two before the wedding, everyone gets together. I mean. I actually don't go to Mehendi's, mm-hmm. but I have, I've been told and I've seen pictures online that some of these Mendis are large enough to be weddings in and of wow. themselves, you know, wow. like they're so fancy. And, yeah. and so, um, I'm like, really, do you, is, do you really, yeah. do we really need to spend all that, uh, money on these parties? Why can't, I'm not saying people can't have fun. Family mm-hmm. members and friends can easily get together you know, have a meal and enjoy their time together. There's there's things, I mean, for me personally, there's these customs. So in, in an average Mandy, you know, a lot of people will have, there's a lot of music and dancing. Mm-hmm. Um, we're not going to get into the fiqh of, mm-hmm. of that right now. But if there's anything that's definitely not permissible is the dancing of non-Mahrams yeah. in front of, you know, non-Mahrams. I mean, where there's no yeah. permissibility for that. And then when your sixteen year old, you know, child comes to you and says, you know, Mom, I'm going to the prom and you say, oh, it's not you can't go because it's not Islamically acceptable, a very common answer I get or uh, an argument or rebuttal I get as an imam is, hey but you know, Imam my mom tells me that I can't go to the prom because it's not okay, but is it okay for her to be dancing at a wedding, you know, every other week in front of non-Mahram men. So there's really that yeah. argument. That how are you yeah. going to win That argument over And you know uh, My argument is that You only get married once Inshallah You might as well do it right A lot mm. of people's argument Is "So you only get married once So it's like You can do whatever the heck you want And on the contrary <laughs> I'll say you only get married once You might as well do it right yeah. So that Allah is pleased yeah, with you inshallah. And then all of a sudden Now we're having this Other ceremony Pre And uh, some in some cultures You know people Who are listening to our podcast May not know of these But in, there's this, this Pre mandi party Called a Mayun Um uh. <laughs> which which uh, which I actually don't know much about it, but uh, you know the little reading I've done up on it, it's it comes from a very non-Muslim tradition. Oh wow! Um, and so you know people do all these things and spend all this money and spend all this time preparing and trying to make it exactly perfect. You know where people are sitting on a table, the little car. I mean every detail yeah, is yeah. thought about, and all this money and time is spent in doing that. That's time that you could be spending. Families could be spending with each other, getting to know each mm-hmm. other. That's that's money that you could be using to, uh, I, you know, I'd like to say give to the poor, but I'm not even going to say that. I'm yeah. just saying to spend on your own self, on your yeah. own life, yeah. uh, to make your own life more meaningful. Mm-hmm. Uh, but people have these fantasies, even in our culture, our communities, people have these fantasies of what their marriage is going to be like. Yeah, and what a perfect wedding is like. And, and, we, and, and it sets them back yeah. <laughs> five and six figures. And in yeah. some cases, people are, you know, I've come across community members who in their 50s and 60s are losing their jobs, have been living in the same house for so many years, and they're worried about losing their home. And I'm like, you've been in this home for so many years. Why isn't it paid off? Why and, isn't it paid and off? And yeah. the response is, oh, well, you know, when our kids got married, we got these loans from uh, our homes. And, you know, they're busy um, paying, paying those loans off. And... It's just like, do you do you really do you really need to do this? And and you know, I, I get to perform a lot of nikas and um, the most common, you know, I'll, I'll walk in, I'll perform the nikah, and then I'm ready to leave, and so people, say, oh please stay for dinner, we'd mm. like you to stay for dinner, and I'm thinking to myself you know, there isn't a restaurant that caters to weddings that I haven't already ate at. <laughs> uh, and so no matter how good the food you're serving may be, I've probably already had it and I'm not too crazy for it. <laughs> In addition to the fact that, you know, I'd rather get home or I have other stuff to do. Um, but really, like how grand can you make your wedding? How, mm-hmm. you know, how much more? And and honestly, you know, um, this is, again, one of those Imam Tahir arguments. I tell, you know, if, if if you called me up three months later and asked me, you know, what I ate at your wedding, I probably won't even remember. Yep. I yeah. probably won't even remember <laughs> a week later what I had at your wedding, you know. Yeah. And so, sure, you know, there'll be a lot of excitement. There'll be a lot of great pictures. Mm-hmm. be a lot of great videos that'll come out of this. But in the end, um, you know what's the point of a wedding in which we may be disobeying Allah, Mm -hmm. in which there's extravagance, which is incorrect to begin with, uh, in which prayers are being omitted, Mm -hmm. uh, what barakah will that bring to your wedding? Mm -hmm. Um, And when I say wedding, I'm talking about that foundation lasting Mm -hmm. a half a century. Mm -hmm. I'm talking about that foundation lasting through your grandchildren. Mm-hmm. Like, if you do things right, you know, um, and this is a very interesting one, uh, a young lady who our family was very close to, she got married recently, and, um, you know, she said that uh, weddings are so hard for Muslim girls, and I, I, she was specifically referring to something, and I'm like, I never thought of it, that, you know, she goes, it's so hard to pray, we have all this makeup on, mm-hmm. and it's time for prayer, so how do we... You know, and and it's it's a very, I, I'm like, I never, I, you know, yeah, as, yeah. as a man, uh, you know, I, I just never thought, and that's a real challenge, and despite that, there's so many, you know, sisters on the day of their weddings will go out of their way and, you know, and, and pray, which is what they're supposed yeah, to do, yeah. uh, but then there's sort of this ideal of what the bride should look like, mm-hmm. all decked out, and, mm-hmm. you know, and people are making all these excuses as to, you know, um, you know, it's okay, it's the day of your mm-hmm. wedding, and... Really, I mean, in fact, if anything, one of the traditions that ulama teaches is that when you walk into the room for the first time, you know, uh, praying salah, making dua, there's specific duas, you know, and there's saying Bismillah and so on and so forth. In other words, doing, setting that foundation, the spiritual foundation right Mm -hmm. so that your life is good. Right. Mm-hmm. Allah says in the Quran mm-hmm. whichever male or female does good deeds we will give them a good a whole, means a wholesome life in other words you will continue to have means of risk you will not have financial difficulty you will have uh, Allah will bless you with children Allah will bless you with healthy children Allah will bless you with pious children you know all of these things that the, the amazing things that manifest—you know, your children will be will be bright. They'll be able to get through school. They'll be able to get through college. They'll be able to get married to their spouses. You know, all of that goodness that a person sees in their families manifests is a manifestation of mm-hmm. you know the good deeds that we do at the time when they're supposed to be done. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, if anything, there's just a complete. Especially in certain families and communities There's a complete wastage Mm -hmm. of money And then mashallah Not to say that that's the norm uh, Although it it, it slowly is becoming the norm And people are going into debt because of this There are many, many families out there That have the ability and the potential To throw large parties Yet they don't They keep Mm -hmm. their wedding simple And I'm not saying you can't feed a lot of people Mm -hmm. You can feed the whole world if you want (laughs) Um, Feeding is... That's not the issue It's the... It's the venue and mm-hmm. the prep. It's all that money that's being spent, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, you were just mentioning mm-hmm. that um,
1: the wedding, we were just talking about one of the weddings that you performed happens to be uh, my sister-in-law. Yes, absolutely. It was, it was such a, I, to this day, I talk to my wife about it. it was such an incredible wedding. It was beautiful. They it was flew, very elegant. They, they flew you down to Manhattan Beach. Yes, that's right. Beautiful home. hmm and oh, gorgeous and, home and, and, and it was just fa- It was literally just Immediate mm-hmm. family mm-hmm. I want to say No more than 20 yeah. 25 and some, people And maybe a few close friends Some close friends Yeah, yeah.
0: And It was uh, a very elec- It was a very Very elegant wedding yeah, yeah. I mean, you know It was beautiful The setup that they the had The setup they had The way the children were dressed mm-hmm. The food that was laid out On the table But, you know, it was it was, everyone remained, it was all within the means. Yeah. Uh, and not to say that the family couldn't afford more because yeah, I'm yeah. sure, you know, they could afford a <laughs> lot more than what they did. Um, but, um, you know, it was, it, was, it was very elegant. It was within their means. There was no reason for unnecessary mm-hmm. expenses to go out of the way. Um, weddings can happen. Simple mm-hmm. weddings, simple weddings are possible. Mm-hmm. I believe that simple weddings need to become the norm I be, I need I believe that the nikah inside the masjid needs to become the norm mm. and I'm not saying just is inside that a sunnah it is the sunnah Okay. I, I also you know by the way on this note of inviting everyone you know mm. the prophet والسلام, was not was not present at the wedding of many of his companions in the city of medina while he was wow. in medina like there were sahaba who would come to him and say ya rasulullah i got married wow. and Salam the prophet Allah. would inquire and said did you throw a walima or not and the the walima would be Awlim walaw bishatin do a walima it's not the wedding party that's the sunnah it's the post-wedding party after the consummation of marriage, which yeah. is the sunnah. Which is often forgotten because Completely. a lot of
1: times people do the walima. the, the, there the is, same. There like is di- directly after, yeah, the Yeah, It's just the wedding. It's, it's a just a niqa, the wedding party. Yeah, the, yeah. Yeah, the consummation hasn't happened yet. Yeah.
0: So the sunnah is the, the the party after the consummation, not before the consummation. Mm. Uh, not to say, Again, don't get me wrong. Yeah. I'm not saying people can't be fed. There's just no need for unnecessary Extravagance And so we need to bring back Simple marriages The other thing that happens Is that people have marriages Inside the masjid But only family and friends And it could be Hundreds and hundreds Are invited I'm talking about A public post-Jum'ah marriage Right So when my youngest brother Got married many years ago uh, One of the things My father insisted Was that um, In fact all of us uh, all of our weddings in our family were all done in public gatherings. Oh, wow. So, um, uh, you know, we we had a, situ- where my, my, my middle brother and I, we when we had our wedding, it was a very large um, gathering, sort of like a, a, a maulid or a conference type of gathering. And um, that's where our nikah happened. It was a very public nikah and everyone happened to be there. Um, right after Juma, uh, and, and my youngest brother When he got married In San Jose some years ago The nikah happened After al Juma. It was wow. a public invitation To everyone That was present mm-hmm. uh, And said you know There's It was announced openly And said there's a nikah uh, Immediately after Juma. Mm-hmm. Everyone is welcome to attend And um, you know, we, w- I can't remember, but um, we, we, served, we served coffee and snacks some sweets and, you know, some snacks mm-hmm. to, to everyone that was present at the masjid. So everyone that was there for Jummah was welcome to mm-hmm. partake in the snacks that we had there uh, for them. And then we had uh, a walima soon after um, that consisted of, um, you know, of family and friends. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't say it was small. I wouldn't say it was large either. But it was a, it was a simple venue. And the idea was, it was an elegant venue, but mm-hmm. the idea was for family and friends to get together and celebrate and yeah. just spend some time with each other. Yeah. If, if we can get to those norms, um, life would be so much easier. Mm-hmm. you know. And, and I- immediately after he, uh, I- I my brother got married, the same year he was able to perform hajj, um, you know? and, and he was able to fulfill that obligation. So what I mean to say is that there's so much that can be done with even just the funds that we have. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, where I come from, where my family comes from in India, it's very common for people to do large public weddings and feed everyone that happens to be there Mm -hmm. or even um, feed people because there's so many orphanages back Mm -hmm. home feed people at the orphanage. And I'm saying, you know, because this is an orphanage or it's a it's a madrasa or it's a school where they're just getting simple basic food every day after day after day and then one day. So it's very common where I come from in India where in these orphanages or in these madrasas, uh, one day there's all this fancy food that is either brought mm-hmm. or... Um, um, uh, not just b- or, or cooked there mm-hmm. and it's it's a result of that's someone's that's actually someone's wedding party wow. where and the people feeding, who are yeah. part of the wedding may or may not even be present but they're like you know we'd like for the food that we were going to cook for ourselves to be fed to these orphans yeah. or to, f- to be fed to the children of the madrasa so when yeah. when when i had my walima in addition to having you know family and friends at the walima we actually ensured that there was extra food cooked And it was put into trucks and transported to the local madrasa that afternoon uh, for all the students to partake in it as well. These are things. This this is the way we need to be. I mean,
1: sadly, I've seen I've seen the opposite in in many situations, you know, where so much food is ordered and then the wedding is over and everyone leaves. Yeah. But then. What happens to this food? To this extra mean, food. Yeah, yeah. Where Where does it go? Yeah. And and yeah. It's, yeah, it's 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 unfortunate. People, you know,
0: and it's all. And I'm not saying, uh, uh, you know, I, I don't want to make this personal. I just I just this we need to be thinking along these lines. Mm. Where can I serve? Can I serve every? Is, you know, how many people show up to Jumai my local Masjid? Three hundred people. Okay, let me so let me sponsor lunch for three hundred people this afternoon to the there people at go. the Masjid yeah. and Mashallah. just just out of goodness to your family your mm-hmm. community mm-hmm. your people and just serve them lunch or there's a there's a, a school an islamic school or a madrasa and you're and, alhamdulillah people are not in need per se mm-hmm. but you know you're sharing partaking your happiness along with them and providing a meal mm. for the staff and the students on that given day. Imagine these are students, uh, imagine just for a moment, I mean, you know, I, I'm, I'm at Zaytuna College, you're a student there, and imagine if, it, and there's not. we don't have a lot of students and faculty, but, mm-hmm. you know, all put together, maybe about 100 people, mm-hmm. if, uh, if everyone's on, on campus. Imagine if you had food for 100 people served one fine day in the mm-hmm. afternoon, right? Imagine all these students studying sacred knowledge, mm-hmm. scholars, teachers, brothers, sisters, all making dua for you know the blessings of this of yeah. this couple subhanallah this this subhanallah. that's the way we need to be thinking keep it simple keep it simple you got to keep it really simple what about the mahar cuz this is common. subhanallah this, yes this yes. comes up a lot yes
1: so you know what's the uh, like s- they say like the sunnah of the mahar yeah so,
0: like, so 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 you know um um so what ends up happening is um when we talk about the mahar there's just so much that can be said but um Again, the best mahar is that which is given up front rather than that which is promised. Okay. Secondly, you're referring
1: to the mahar can either be paid at the time, at the time of the contract yes, or, or it can be delayed. Deferred. Yeah, deferred. Okay.
0: But the upfront. front, yes. again, by the way, the way people have understood mahar in Islam culturally or in Muslim cultures is, is very interesting, right? During the time of the Prophet Wasallam, the mahar was whatever you gave up front. What do you have for mahar? This is what I have. You gave it and you were done. Mm-hmm. Okay, that was the mahar. Mm-hmm. Then in, in, in today's day and age, over the years, in, in certain cultures, the way the mahar is understood is that a small amount is given up front, but then a very large amount is promised in case of a divorce.
1: Yeah, I've seen this.
0: Um, and there's you know that's w- that's the way certain cultures have understood it but not necessarily practiced during the time of the Nabi alayhi salatu Um And then you find in certain cultures where people promise a mahar, but it's never given. Mm. Okay, uh, like, okay, this is going to be our mahar, but it's never talked of or thought about ever again. Right? Uh, the best mahar is that which is given up front, okay. no matter how big or small. The mahar was not necessarily announced publicly. In some cultures, mm. people make large promises with no intention to give ever, just so that it can be announced and so people can say, "Oh my God, the mahar was a hundred thousand wow. dollars." I've had people actually tell me, "Can you announce the mahar publicly?" And I say, "No, I ain't announcing no mahar publicly." I've had I've had more than that ever people who will say, "Oh, please don't announce the mahar publicly," and I'm like, "I never announce the mahar publicly. I yeah. just usually say the agreed upon amount." Um, So the mahar is, is the haq of the bride Is the haq of the wife It can be a promise And she can demand it During the course of her marriage At any time Right mm. so That's her haq and, and if anything The best to do to, The best is to ensure That her mahar is actually Given um, To her um, You know At the time of the marriage or And it's for her it's, it's for hers, her That's hers it's, it's She can do whatever she wants yeah. Absolutely Okay um, and then and then we I've come across situations where yeah so that's one another situation I've seen that where people actually agree they they discuss the mahar at the time of the wedding hmm. that's completely unheard of you know what I'm hmm. saying like when the kitab is actually happening and then the mahar portion comes up they'll be like oh how much is the mahar going to be no it's this much it's gonna... that's that's almost like you're sort of buying and selling or negotiating yeah I I find that to be very disrespectful and so people need to you know uh, agree on it make sure make sure that it's easy i've come across many many situations where people's marriages are at the verge of falling apart because they can't agree on the amount of the mahar wow like no it has to be an x amount of dollars Uh, which by the way is the bride's haq no doubt about that um and that is her that is her haq but it's usually the parents it's not even the bride and the groom the bride and the groom is can we just get married please yeah. <laughs> you know can you just let us get married because at the end of the day what's what's mine is hers and what's hers is mine you know cuz we're i mean we're we're making a pact to be with each other for the rest of our life you guys yeah. are not letting this happen for you know a zero really <laughs> yeah, at yeah. times or maybe two but that's pretty much the only reason why you're causing such a difficulty in this and so ensuring that Making that process um, as simple as possible. Uh, I, I want to mention two things. Uh, one is that, you know, a lot of times people ask and say, What is the average mahar? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, first of all, um, there's what is referred to as the mahar Fatimi, which yeah. is what Ali radiallahu anhu, gave to Fatima. Radiallahu anha. It's a certain amount uh, which is calculated in silver. Um, at the time, of course, it was a large amount. Uh, in today's day and age It is not as large In today's day and age It comes up to maybe About a thousand dollars And then some Some people uh, Still prefer That their mahar Is the actual mahar Fatimi mm-hmm. Right And say you know what the Brides will demand this And say I want the exact amount of mahar That Ali radiallahu anhu Gave to Fatima radiallahu mm-hmm. anha, And I'll be happy with that Because she truly believes That the success of the marriage Is not in the amount of money The success of the marriage Is in doing the right thing mm-hmm. And Allah will help Keep that marriage uh, together. So, if if that's what the bride wants, then then so be it. Some people call it the Sunnah Mahar. It's called Mahar Fatimi. Now, of course, like I said, the bride has the right to ask for whatever she so desires, and and she gets that, not her parents mm-hmm. yeah. to pay for the party. Uh, <laughs> but but uh, you know that's that's her haq. Uh And then to answer the question, what is an average Mahar? As an Imam who has performed many many weddings over the course of my career. I'm finding that the average mahar in the United States happens to be anywhere between one and five thousand dollars. Mm-hmm. Not to say that ten thousand is not the norm. Uh, anything beyond that is heard of, but really not the norm per mm-hmm. se. I've you know it's usually a lot of times people will agree on the wedding band or the wedding ring mm-hmm. being a part of the mahar um, or certain things. And again, again, I'm not dictating anything here. It is it is the huk of the bride. Mm-hmm. It is it is whatever she decides. Uh, and that she agrees upon, and that she agrees to, happens to be uh, harmahar. But does it does it have to be a
1: a, a physical tangible so, uh, thing? So there's differences, because, there's differences. There's yeah. differences in fiqh
0: around that. Abu okay. Hanifa is of the opinion that it has to be a tangible amount, something that is actually given to her in terms of uh, money. Um, now the thing is that. Um, you know the 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 disagreement on the amount of mahar should be no reason for the wedding to not go through, mm-hmm. right? That's people. Now, uh, then uh, people talk about mu'akhar the delayed mahar, mm-hmm. in the case of a divorce. Um, in many states uh, around the country, of course, when you get married, it becomes community property. Mm-hmm. So, in the case of Allah forbid, there happens to be a divorce, then you know the wife will get a portion of the property to begin with, um, or whatever assets they have. Um, and so those are those are definitely issues um, that people need to think about and talk about But not make the mahar as simple, as approachable as possible To be able to get it in advance mm-hmm. um, I, I came across a sheikh some years ago where, you know, when he was doing the kitab And he read the mahar amount, he asked the groom immediately, where's the mahar? Because, you know, it was a promise that he's making to the bride He said, where's the mahar? Oh the the groom was lucky on that day he actually was carrying the mahar with him wow and so the sheikh took it and gave it to the bride's wali and said this is the mahar make sure the bride gets it
1: is this part of the cuz i noticed on some of the nikah contracts mm-hmm. where uh, when the witnesses sign, mm-hmm. are they also si- are they just signing on as witnesses of the nikah occurring, or are they signing also as witnesses of this is the mahar and the ma- the mahar was actually transferred? Uh, or so it just
0: it just depends. If the mahar is simply a promise, then that's they're signing off on the promise. But if it's meant to be something upfront, they're signing. But that's the haq of the bride. The bride can at the time of nikah, and, uh, yeah. you know, when she is when she is doing her part of acknowledging or accepting doing mm-hmm. the ijab. Or signing the paperwork, at that time she can ask for it and say, Mm. Where's my mahar? Okay. Yeah. Imagine, I would, all the brides should be asking for their mahars at the time of their wedding.
1: (laughs) (laughs) The brothers are getting nervous right now. Yeah, they should be. (laughs) 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 (coughs) Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. Well, thank you. Barakallah, Barakallah.
0: Alhamdulillah.
1: Again, Hamdi, another great uh, talk with you, Imam Tahir. Thank you. Thank you for your time. Uh, Please follow us on iTunes and Spotify. Check us out on halalpodcast.com. Send your suggestions our way and inshallah we'll have many more podcasts to come. Jazakallah khair. Assalamu alaykum.
0: Wa alaykum assalam.